of weeks ago, I was praying about this session. I went, man, I just didn't get peace about this topic I was going to talk on. And then the Lord just dropped this in me. And, and so it, it dovetails perfectly with what she said, because Lisa made a comment two or three times in the last session about we have to learn how to do relationships right, the way Jesus spoke to us about relationships, about the way the scriptures talked about it. And if you notice yesterday, did you hear probably the biggest takeaway we wanted you to take away from my session with John Egan yesterday was what? Relationships. Everything is based on relationships. The song list, the volume, everything that you're wrestling with right now in your church can be solved if we will focus primarily on the relationships that we have one with another that we'll lay down our insecurities, that we'll lay down our fears and presuppositions about one another and embrace godly relationships. That is so critical right now in the health of our churches. So I'm gonna talk about a very touchy topic, a topic that causes a great deal of pain among pastoral staffs. And I'm talking about teams of one or two or t- teams of one or 200. It does not matter the size of your team And this can happen in a volunteer situation. It can happen when you're a part of the paid staff. It does not matter. There is a way to have godly, biblical, healthy transitions on your team. And I want you to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 13, and we're going to look at an enormous transition that's happening in a local church with a team that God has assembled there in the church of Antioch in Acts chapter 13. So in Acts chapter 13, the dream team has been assembled for this church at Antioch. I mean, Paul is there. And if you know anything, I know most of you, I'm talking to pastors, but I'm, I'm surprised at how few pastors know this. Paul was the preeminent scholar of his day. Paul was classically trained in the, the, the single greatest university of his day, trained by the single greatest teachers of his day. Paul was, a, was literate and fluent in multiple languages. Paul did not check his brain at the door when he began to follow Jesus. Paul was a rock star, brain, leader, thinker, innovator. Everyone in this, I know this is gonna sound like Captain Obvious in here, but I think all of us in this room would like to have Paul on our team. Can we say amen to that, right? And all of us would be sad if someone like Paul, a once-in-a-lifetime team member, came to us and said, I think God is calling me to something different. The way we respond to transitions can determine, first of all, long-lasting relationships, but long-lasting fruit in the kingdom of heaven. So I'm gonna talk to you about this just for a minute. It's a very touchy topic but it's a topic that we've learned a lot of valuable lessons here at New Life about, okay? And I wanna share a couple of those with you. So Acts chapter 13, verse one, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, so there was a diversity of giftings in this church, which should be true of all of our churches. And I, and I don't wanna camp out on this, get on a rabbit trail, but if all your church has are teachers, then all you're gonna have are students. If all you have are prophets, then all you're gonna have are really motivated people that don't know what they're doing. So you need teachers and prophets. If all you have are teachers, then you're going to have a great students. If all you have are prophets, then all you're going to have are a lot of excited people that don't know how to practically apply what they're hearing God say. You need prophets and teachers. So in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, some hard name that his mom should have named him, and Saul. And, uh, and what... <laughs> And 
while they were worshiping the Lord, listen very carefully, I didn't mean to get sidetracked. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, so notice the depth of spiritual disciplines in this leadership team. In other words, they didn't ask their church to do something that they were not doing. We're talking about leaders here, right? There were prophets and teachers. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And it says the Holy Spirit came to them in this environment. Diversity of gifts, deep disciplines. Diversity of gifts, deep disciplines. The Holy Spirit came to them and spoke. Now that's the environment. If you want clarity of vision, if you want clarity of the Holy Spirit, there has to be a diversity of giftings and a depth of disciplines in your church. Once that happens, that's the environment the Holy Spirit says, I can trust this group of people. I believe we're praying way too much for the fire of God, but nobody's willing to build fireplaces. Be careful what you're praying for. I do pray for the fire of heaven on New Life Church, but I did not pray that prayer until we had adequate fireplaces built. But you pray for fire without fireplaces, it burns the house down to rubble. You build fireplaces, and I'm talking about structure, diversity of gifts, depth of disciplines. Now the fireplace is built. Come, Holy Spirit, burn brightly among us. It won't burn the house down. So that's, that's, that's again, a separate sermon. All right. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, set apart, a change is about to happen. Now, notice that leaders typically get the first word, a change is about to happen. Set apart for God, for me. Senior pastors, I know we're all ambitious, and that's nothing wrong with that. I know we all want amazing teams around us. I do too. I know that it requires amazing team in order to do the vision that God's put in your heart, but there will be times where the Holy Spirit is gonna say to you, this team belongs to me, not to you. Now, this is a good Texas saying, all right? And Jimmy Evans, I'll give him credit. He's the one that told me this. I've never forgotten it, but it's a great Texas saying, and I am a redneck at heart, so I, 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 I remember things like this. He said, Pastor Brady, he said, Brady, he didn't call me Pastor Brady, just my friend, he said, Brady, if you have to put a leash on your dog, it's not your dog. Now, here's what, he, here's what he was saying. He said, he was telling me, he said, listen, if you have to control your team in order for them to stay with you, they don't belong to you anyway. So trust God with people in your life. Trust God that God's going to send you the people you need. And, that, and then when good people leave your organization, when good people leave it's not personal. They belong to God. They don't belong to me. You understand that we have to hold our hands out loosely with talented people. And he says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, who's speaking here? The Holy Spirit's speaking. Set apart for them Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed some more. So they, the Holy Spirit speaks to them in an environment of fasting and prayer. Then after hearing a very strong word from God, they said, we're gonna fast and pray some more. And then they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to some town, Seleucia, I, can't, I think I'm saying it right, and sailed from there to Cyprus. All right, 
When I left Gateway Church, I was under, my pastor was Robert Morris. When the Lord spoke to me on an elders retreat, I was one of the elders at Gateway Church in Dallas. The Lord spoke to me at an elders retreat that I was leaving Gateway and I was going to go to be a senior pastor. The Lord did not tell me it was going to be new life. He said, you're leaving Gateway, and I, but you're not going to leave the umbrella of Gateway's influence. You're not going to leave the umbrella of their covering. You're going to be connected to them. But I'm about to send you off, and I'm going to show you this year. This is 2006. I'm going to show you this year where you're going to go. Now, there's a long story here with a series of prophetic words and dreams and conversations that the Holy Spirit used to shape and guide all this. I ended up as a senior pastor at New Life Church in Colorado Springs where I didn't know anyone when I arrived here. It was the miracle of the Lord for me to somehow leave Gateway Church where I had a great, I was the associate senior pastor of one of the fastest growing churches in America. I was so happy there. I lived in Dallas-Fort Worth. I was a Mavericks fan. I was a Cowboys fan, no anymore. But I, I lived in the center I live in like the best place ever, with the greatest church ever, with the best leaders ever, with all my buddies all around me. And the Lord said, I'm telling you to leave. I'm asking you to leave. Take this assignment. I'm taking you to New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where the line of people that wanted to take this spot was kind of short. And, uh, and I, I remember a really honest conversation with the Lord. I said, Lord... Are you kidding me? We were here in the gate. We were in the Hilton over on Briargate, where some of you may be staying. Pam was asleep. I was up early. Got the Bible open to Nehemiah. Broken down walls, sword in a hand, building the wall, that story. People hating on them, you know, hating on them, threatening them. I'm reading that story, Nehemiah's story. And the Lord said to me, you're coming here. I don't want you to be the senior pastor. And I said to him, I said, this is not... And I mean, I'm being very candid and vulnerable with you today, but I think if you take off our church mask, you would probably have said the same thing. I said, Lord, that's not a good career move. <laughs> and this is what the Lord said, really. I mean, it was a broken moment for me. I was being honest back with God. My first response was flesh, all right, like most of our first responses are. And I just remember taking a deep breath, and I said, that's not a good career move. And the Lord said, well, I'm looking for someone who's not interested in their career, but is interested in building my kingdom on the earth. So I just tend to know, is that you or not, Brady? I mean, it was that, that blunt. And I'm sitting in that hotel room, you know, two miles from here, window open, Pikes Peak in front of me, May of 2007. And I said, Lord, I'll go. All right. So I ended up here. And I remember how beautifully Gateway handled the transition. When I went to Pastor Robert and the elders and said, I'm leaving here. I sure love you guys. But the Lord has spoken to Pam and I that we're supposed to go to New Life Church in Colorado Springs. I said, and I said to them, I said, but I'm not going unless you go, unless the Lord goes with me and your blessings follow me. The Lord has to go with me and your hand of blessing has to go with me. And we read this together in our elders meeting, Acts chapter 13. Now I've noticed in the landscape of local church something that really bothers me. I, it bothers me how tightly senior pastors hold on to staff and how wounded they become when that staff leaves them and how difficult it is for talented young men and women to leave staff and to go to somewhere that God's obviously calling them. And it tends to be more like a divorce than a wedding. So let me ask you a question. Have you gotten an invitation in the mail recently for a divorce proceeding that you're really excited about attending a courtroom date to watch a divorce go down? 
But how many of you have gotten an invitation in the mail to a, a wedding for people that you love and adore? That's something you mark on the calendar in bright red letters and say, I can't wait for that. I just got, I found out this week that somebody I really love, really adore and admire, they're getting married in January and I just wrote it on my calendar. Big letters, wedding. I can't wait for it. It's awesome. I've been waiting for this young man to find God's woman in his life and he has and it's awesome. It's beautiful. It's powerful. I don't get excited about divorce proceedings. Can't wait for that to happen. That's a divorce I can't wait to see happen. But that's, that's the landscape in most American churches. You, you're either for me or against me. And if you're not with me, then I, I, you're dead to me. There's, there's very few environments in the local church where you can even talk about this. Which brings me to my first point. Healthy transitions, if they're going to happen in a godly way where it's life-giving, healthy transitions require honest relationships. We talked about this yesterday with John and I, honest and honoring relationships. So we we have, I have worked so hard in seven years at New Life to create a culture here where anyone on our team can come to me and talk to me about transition, change, anything that's going on without any fear of me punishing them for the fact. My door is open to talk to me. Please, I want to know what is going on in your life. First of all, I am your pastor. I'm your friend. I'm your shepherd. Now think about the people in Antioch when Paul brought this up. By the way, Paul, you know, Barnabas and, and I feel like we're supposed to go to all of Asia and Europe and share the gospel and write two-thirds of the New Testament. Are you okay with that? No, they didn't have all that information in front of them, did they? Now, I want you to think about how the kingdom of heaven would have been damaged if the, if the leaders of Antioch had, had reacted the way many of our churches react right now to healthy, godly staff wanting to go do what God's called them to do. Think about how damaging it would have been how difficult it would have been for Paul and Barnabas to be celebrated instead of tolerated. To be celebrated. They're, they're leaving and they're going to dangerous places, putting their life on the line for the gospel. That's not a time where they need to be walking around with daggers in their back. They needed wind in their sails, not daggers in their backs. The world was going to be difficult enough for them. The church did not need to be a difficult place for them. And I believe one of the reasons we have come to a screeching halt in the body of Christ and the reason we're not sending out more missionaries and planting more local churches is we have made it so difficult for people to go do what God's called them to do. And we stabbed them in the back on the way out. We we treat it like a divorce and we wonder why relationships are broken. We wonder why young, powerful leaders don't trust older, wise moms and dads. It's because older, wise moms and dads have made it difficult for sons and daughters to go marry the bride of their children choice. I mean, I have Abraham Cow. I have a 15 and a 13 year old at my house. I can't wait for them to get married <laughs> to a godly man or woman that God's called them to, right? I'm not pushing them out, but I'm open to arranged marriages. <laughs> I think that's a good idea, by the way. But Pam and I, you know what? I like Pam. I like her a lot. I can't wait to have her all to myself and my kids to go out somewhere and find a man and woman of their dreams and bring grandkids over every once in a while. I can't wait for that. I'm going to be a part of the process. I'm going to encourage it. 
but it requires honest relationships. And I believe it does start with senior leadership and elders of the church. I'm asking you to, if you're a senior pastor in this room with staff and team and volunteers, who owns them? And do you wish them well? Or do you wish yourself well through them? It's just a big question, right? Do you wish them well? I, I, I sat yesterday with two men in my office yesterday, practicing what I'm preaching to you today. Aaron Stern and Ross Parsley are two of the finest young leaders on the planet right now. And they sat in my office yesterday and we were talking through. There went out, one of them planted, Aaron planted an amazing church in Fort Collins, one chapel. Aaron was leading thousands of people here for me when he came to me. Thousands. He was leading and influencing thousands of new lifers when he came to me and said, I feel like I'm supposed to go plant a church in Fort Collins. Okay, let's pray about it together. He came to me empty-handed like that. I came to the Lord. See, it, it, when staff comes to you with their hands open, we then go to the Lord with our hands open. Okay, Lord, if this is, I don't want Aaron to go do something that's going to damage him. I don't, I would, and I would tell him no if I thought it was a bad idea, but I'm not coming, I go to the Lord like this, Lord, would you show me if this is God's will for Aaron? And it was so obvious to me and the elders. And we laid hands on Aaron and Jossie and their boys and we sent them to Fort Collins. They're, they're now less than four years old. They're running over 1,000 people in Fort Collins. Fort Collins, Colorado is not the church planner's dream. It is a difficult place to plant a church. But there is a blessing for Aaron coming to me and asking for my blessing. And there's a blessing to me for laying hands on him and sending him out. Because now I didn't lose a great leader. I just gained a big family in Fort Collins. He's here yesterday. We're celebrating his return. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Hey, Ross, how's it going down in Austin, Texas? We get to celebrate a wedding and not mourn through a divorce. You know, David Perkins is sitting on the front row. I'm going to introduce him in just a few minutes. He just, he just left our team after 16 years. Yeah, 14 years. And he just, he just became the national director at Every Home for Christ. David has influenced tens of thousands of young people here in the last 14 years. He's one of the best preachers on the planet. He's one of the most prophetic voices you've ever heard in your life. And you would give your right arm to have a David Perkins on your team. But he came to me back in the spring and said, I feel God is speaking to me. I, I feel like I'm supposed to mobilize a generation of young people to win the nations for Jesus. And I can do that best as the national director at Every Home for Christ. And they're giving me this amazing opportunity. So I got a choice now. I can either hold on to David and make it hard for him and, 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 and make him feel bad about it. Or I can celebrate David and gain a gigantic family over at Every Home for Christ. So he left in the summer celebrated. We prayed over him in front of the entire congregation. We sent him out. And now we get to multiply ourselves through relationships. Yes. Yes. I, he's sitting on the front row. He just left my staff. He's sitting on the front row smiling at me. It's awesome. I'm smiling back at him, and it's real. We're not faking any of this. I love this man. How's that happen? By laying down our ambitions and taking up the kingdom of heaven. So healthy transitions require honest relationships and a kingdom mindset. Whose kingdom are we building? That's the question. If you built the team, then you're going to have to threaten or bribe them to keep them to stay. But if God built the team, God will keep them or God will send them. 
Now, here's the, here's the reality. I love that they're sitting next to each other because this is a true reality. Okay, I know what you're saying. Okay, Pastor Brady, you live in Colorado. You have mega church, so you can go out and find the best and the brightest, and you don't have the same problem. That's not true. I do live in Colorado. That's awesome. You know who's sitting next to David Perkins right there? He's been up on the stage several times. That's Brandon Cormier. Now, Brandon, I didn't even know Brandon four years ago, five years. I never even heard of him. David knew him. They met at a, some conference somewhere, and they became friends. Two years ago, David comes to me and said, Brady, I think, Brandon, I found this young guy that the Lord is really speaking to about coming here. No, David and I, neither one knew that David was leaving. I met Brandon like 10 seconds into the meeting, and I went, this is the easiest interview in the history of interviews. This guy is amazing, godly amazing. David leaves. Guess who I get in that because David left? I get Brandon Cormier to take his spot. How does that happen? It wasn't because I had this master plan I was working out in some genius studio somewhere. No, I'm, I was trusting the Lord. If God sends David away and I, I bless David as he leaves and I trust that God is speaking to me about David, guess what God does for me? He sends me Brandon Cormier. One day, Brandon may leave and go, he can pastor any church in America. He's an amazing preacher and leader. Guess what I'm trusting? I don't know who's going to follow Brandon. I know this. It's going to be somebody awesome, though. I don't know who it is. I just know they'll be great. Because I've just seen it happen too many times to not trust the Lord. I don't know. Healthy transitions require a kingdom mindset. Health, in which I've already said this, but the third point is healthy transitions have a long-term reward. You get sons and daughters. Moms and dads get to have sons and daughters and grandkids. There's this long-term reward. Listen, pastors, you're thinking way too short-term about this. It's not a short-term proposition. If, it, if I was thinking only in the short-term, I would have said, I would have shamed David. I would have shamed Ross. I would have made it difficult for them. I would have tried to win them over with some money or status or something to keep them here. I, I just know that that's so short-term in our thinking. I want what's best for these young men and women. And I'm coming now to an age where I'm 47, I'm cunning, I'm, I'm no longer the Jacob, I'm more the Isaac here now. And I, I want Jacob to thrive under me. One day I'm gonna be looked at as the Abraham of this house. I want Isaac and Jacob to thrive because I'm here. And Lisa just, Lisa just really painted this picture so beautifully for us. She almost preached my message and I was so grateful that she set it up so beautifully I'm trying to create a home where kids thrive and grow, where they can knock over Legos and, and where they can just be messy and fun and exciting. And then when they start to grow up, I send them out healthy to another healthy place. Every home for, every home for Christ just got a gift from God in David Perkins. But I didn't send him to them broken and messy and needing all cleaned up. I sent them a healthy man who has a healthy family, who has a healthy view of ministry. Every home for Christ just got a gift from the Lord. I'm expecting a check any time now, right, David? I'm expecting this, right? Or at least a little, you know, something, a gift card, right, something. All right, let me give you four real practical things how to live this out. If I've caught your attention with this, let me give you four practical ways for this to live out, okay? All right, number one, uh, anytime the leader, there's two people that can bring up transition, the leader and, that and, the, and, the, and the employee, both of us have the right to bring it up. I mean, I've had people on our team, and I can tell you story after story of people on the New Life team that did not feel any transition coming for them, but I did. 
And I'm not talking about firing somebody. Okay, I know what you're thinking, all right? That's a different, that's a different sermon. I have the right to fire people. I do that. I don't, but I don't do that very often. But I, I understand that. That's a, and I can talk about the practicals of that because there is a godly way to fire someone. There's an ungodly way to fire someone too. But I'm talking about, I sense that there's a shift happening in the team, something happening. So I believe we should communicate early and often and without any fear of punishment from either side. I can give you another example. Here's John and Matthew Fallentine. Okay, Matthew has been on our team for over 20 years. He's been around here 20 years. I love this guy. He's amazing. We sensed a transition with Matthew that Matthew didn't see coming about, what, six months ago? Matthew didn't have this on his radar screen. John and I went to Matthew and said, Matthew, you're amazing. You have unbelievable gifts and talents. But we see a shift in what you're doing here. We see you here, and we think if you're here, it's going to multiply our effectiveness. Matthew said, all right, I'll pray about it. I'll think about it. Came back, I'll do that. That's awesome. Guess what? It has multiplied everything we're doing around here because we communicated to Matthew. Matthew had the ability to disagree with us and communicate back to us. It's flourishing and thriving because we communicated early and often with one another. You know, John 3, I love this. It says in the NIV, verse 21, just put up verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So if you have nothing to hide, why, why, why is it so difficult to come and talk about things that you feel stirring in your heart? You're not trying to deceive anyone. I'm not trying to hurt the church. I'm not trying to dishonor the pastor. i am just got some things stirring in my heart. It's something God is speaking to me. Where is a safe place for them to come talk about that without fear of punishment or hurt or shame or embarrassment? It should be, I am the pastor. I, that should be, I should be the easiest person on the planet to talk to about stuff like that. But if we, if, if we are a religious CEO and given up our pastoral mantle, then we will act like a CEO when these transitions happen. I'm a pastor who happens to run a large church. And I do have CEO responsibilities, but I am a pastor first. I'm not interested in being a spiritual CEO. That's fine if you're a CEO of an organization, but I am a pastor of a local church primarily who happens to run a large church. So which one are you, which hat are you wearing? I'm their pastor. People ask me, who do you pastor? I pastor 100 staff at my church primarily. That's my congregation. That's who I pastor primarily. 100, I have 100 full-time staff here. That's who I pastor. That's, I have a 100-member church I pastor every day here. They're called my staff. But I want to be their pastor. All right, so communicate early and often. Number two, pray together. Now, we just talked about marriage we know this, and Pam and I have noticed this, and we're not super great at it, but we, we've, we know the power of it. We're getting better at it. There's, there's a difference about praying separately and praying together. Okay, so let me, I'm using David Perkins since he's on the front row. If David says, Brady, uh, Renata and I have prayed about this a long time, and I, and I want you to pray about it. Okay, well, I'll go off and pray about it. But there's something powerful when David Perkins and I sit at Velo's Coffee or sit in my office and we say, let's pray together, Father, Holy Spirit. Right when he's, he's sitting there, Father, Holy Spirit, would, in the name of Jesus, would you illuminate our minds and thinking? Would you show us the mind of Christ? Would you lead us in the paths of righteousness right now for your name's sake? Would you clear up everything the enemy wants to confuse? Would you show us clearly 
by the help of your Holy Spirit, what's going on in David's life, in the life of new life? What's going on, Lord Jesus? Would you show us with the help of the Holy Spirit right now? Sitting together like that, something powerful happens. Notice in this passage in Acts 13, they were together praying. So I I want you to pray. We should pray separately. But there is something in the spiritual realm that changes when you're in a room together, fasting and praying together. There's a unity that happens. Now, I'm not afraid of this. You know, we get angry at things that we're afraid of, right? That's what makes us, you, you realize that? Most of the things that make us mad are things that we're afraid of, that we're, we don't know. We don't know them, so we become afraid of them, and so we become angry at it because it makes us afraid. But if we are in the room, and we love each other, and we're thinking the best of each other, and we're praying together, it takes all that mystery and fear out of the equation. Now we suddenly can hear the Lord clearly about transition. And there have been many times in those kind of settings where I've said to someone on the team, you're not supposed to leave. You're you're supposed to be right here. What you felt stirring in you uh, was not God saying to leave. It was saying for you to take on some different responsibilities maybe. Or to, you're just wrestling. You know, when you're young, listen, the good news is you're young. The bad news is you're young. And in this age of instant, listen, I'm being serious. In this age of instant gratification, there's not a lot of young people willing to just sit and wait and put in the work. And we want stuff instantly. Like I want my mom and dad's house now. Well, it took them 20 years to get that house. I want my mom and dad's lifestyle now. Well, it took them 30 years to get to that, where they had a second house to go on vacation. I want my mom's car. Well, it took dad a long time to pay off the beater that she drove for five years before he could pay cash for that car. So the point is, a lot of times we have this sense of entitlement when we're young, and you need me as an older guy to say, listen, you're just being restless. You're being young and restless. And just settle in. Settle in. Be state, put your nose down and work. No, don't. This is not the time for that. And, I'm, and the reason I'm telling them that, I don't want them to go out and harm themselves. I have no trouble releasing young people. I don't at all. If you're 22 and you're ready to be go, I'll send you. But the point is you need an older person to kind of help you settle in sometimes and get rid over your sense of entitlement or sense of just impatience. So communicate early and often. Pray together. And then number three, if it's clear that there is a separation, a transition happening, agree on a timeline. This is so important because this is where the devil gets into the details, literally. Timing is so critical in every transition. There are two things that can go wrong with the timing of a transition, okay? Listen, this is going to be so obvious, but it's so plain, and you need to hear this. There's two things that can go wrong when someone leaves your team. They can leave too early or leave too late. And both are deadly and harmful to your church. I mean, if, if, I, if David comes to me and says, I'm going to every home for Christ, and the next day his office is empty, gone, G-O-N-E, gone, and everybody around the team is like, what happened to David? We didn't even get to have any cake with him out in the lobby. I mean, what, where, where is he? Well, he wanted to go for every home for Christ, and he pulled the God stick out on me and told me if God told him and nobody could disagree with him, he's gone. That just communicates, number one, a lack of relationships and a lack of maturity on both parties. So there has to be an agreed-upon timeline. Okay, what's the best? I don't want to do anything that would harm any of these young men and women. Never would I want to harm them. Okay, so what I want to hear back from them is, I don't want to ever do anything that would harm new life either. 
If I think the best of you and I want the best for you, then what I want to hear back from them is, hey, and I want, what's, I want the best thing possible for new life. Okay, well, what's best for you and what's best for new life? For David, he had a big conference coming up this summer. He told me this back in Mar- April or May. We had a gigantic, our, one of our biggest conferences ever that he founded. He's leading it in July. I said, David, we don't need you to leave now. We got the conference. You need to drive that bad boy home. It was an awesome conference in July. You, if your kids aren't coming to Desperation Conference, it is the best student ministry conference in the planet because it is spirit-led, Christ-centered, Jesus-filled, full of worship, and he was leading that. And I was going on a summer-long sabbatical. And I said, this is not good timing, okay? So what I, what's best for us is if for you to make a slower transition over the summer, lead this conference like your hair's on fire, and when I get back from my sabbatical, let's then agree upon a timeline for me to pray over you, send you out publicly. Because what's best for you is what's best for the conference. It's what's best for us. So you understand there's a mutual submission at this point. What's best for everyone, not just one party? If only one party wins, then nobody wins. Everybody has to win. If David feels like, I gotta stay here, and first of all, you do not want someone on your team whose heart has left you six months ago. Because their hands will leave as soon as their hearts leave, and you're paying someone to fill up empty space at some point. Because they're not gonna give you their best when their heart is somewhere else. I know that. There's nothing wrong with that, it's just human nature. If, he has, if he's burning with passion for every home for Christ, then I am not going to make him stay here laboriously for six months because I know this after a lot of painful experiences. I'm not going to get a lot out of him at that point. So staying too long is harmful for both of us. Leaving too quickly is too harmful for both of us. So agree upon a timeline that makes everybody win in this scenario. All right, then here's, the, here's another one, real practical thing, verse, uh, the fourth thing. Uh, tell the same story of why you're leaving. This is legit. I mean, I'm just, you know what the enemy does here? He creates gossip that's unnecessary for the body of Christ. So this is not, I'm not talking about manipulating the story. I'm talking about telling the truth. Okay, so I ask everybody that leaves the staff, now why aren't, when people ask you, why don't you leave, David, come here, David. I mean, I don't, you don't have to, but people are gonna come, I said, David, people are gonna come to you and go, David, now why don't you really leave your life? It's Brady, it's that redneck thing that he's got going, right? You can't take it any longer. He talks about LSU too much. He, he, I know that. So, David, now why did you really leave New Life? And people are going to come to me. I knew, it. I knew David wouldn't fit out. Yeah, I knew it. Tell me, tell me, you just couldn't take David anymore, right? No, it's not at all. I love this guy. He loves me. I mean, we, we're telling the same story because it's the truth. He feels called to every home for Christ to go mobilize the generation of young people to reach the unreached peoples of the earth. That's why he's leaving. There is no untold story here and if there is an untold story it's because it's private not public it's not but so what are we going to tell people when people pull us aside and whisper in our ear i i I say this to everyone now what story are you going to tell because the story i'm going to tell i want to be the truth i want to be godly and honoring so what are we going to tell people when they pull us aside everybody wants to know the juicy underbelly of everything right everybody really loves that you know gossip spreads like wildfire I can tell you good news, and it, it is like, it's like cold molasses running down. I can tell you salacious news, and before I get it out of my mouth, it'll be on Twitter and Facebook and around the world in like 60 seconds. I can tell you about a single mom that gave her life to the Lord and her whole family was baptized last week. 
Oh, that's awesome. I can tell you about somebody we get caught on the internet looking at porn. What? It spreads like wildfire. That's the nature of humans, right? So let's tell the same story. Let's be honest, truthful, private when we need to be private. Because I don't uncover people. I don't want to uncover people. And I don't uncover brokenness because Jesus doesn't uncover my brokenness in public. Unless it's needed. Last resort. If you read Matthew, the last resort is to make it public. Not the first resort. Look, I love this scripture, Proverbs 18, verse 17. The first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. This is why the devil's in the details here, okay? So t- tell the story. Tell what's right. What's, what's the transition like? Why are you leaving? Why, are you not, why did you stay? Why did you not leave? So these are very, very critical, practical things. All right, so I, I know I'm leaving a, some space here because a lot of what we've done so far has been very monologue, and, and I, I know there's a place for that, but I want some dialogue here because this is a, and I love the fact that you're sitting next to people right now that you're, I can feel the awkwardness in the room right now. And I was hoping for that. I was hoping for like, oh, man. I went on this trip to bring it up. Now he's, he just gave me this beautiful way of doing this. All right, so I want to open up for some questions here. And Brandon's got a mic. Do we have another mic anywhere in the house? Uh, David's got a mic. So I want you guys go to either aisle. If you have a question here, uh, okay, we got two mics here. So if you got a question or a clarification, let's raise our hands and they'll come to you with a mic. And uh, we have about 10 minutes here that we can do this. But I'd love to have some questions. Maybe if you just say, well, okay, maybe a practical clarification, um, anything. Okay, we've got one in the back, back here. Anybody over here that has your hand up? They'll, they'll be coming to you if you raise your hand now. Go back there. Anybody over here? Okay, we got one in the back. Okay, we have two. All right, so go ahead and ask your question and make sure you're leaning into the mic so everybody can hear your question at one time. Go ahead, over here. What do you suggest if um, the person that wants to leave but the environment, you've shared how to do it well when the environment is safe? How do you suggest someone who's trying to leave when they're in an unsafe environment and to do it well and to do it right? And I knew that would be the first question because it's a great question, all right? Because I've had, every time I've ever shared this in a public setting, some young man or woman comes to me with tears in their eyes and they say, Pastor Brady, I want to honor the leaders in my life. I want to do what you just described. And, but my pastors, they're gonna tell me to clean out my desk. They're gonna shame me. And how, but I've got to go. I've got to go. I've, I, I am being disobedient to God if I don't go do this thing. Yet I know what's in front of me. My pastor is, they're going to smile at you in your session, but they're not going to do what you said. They're going to make it hard on me. And first of all, that breaks my heart. It saddens me to no degree. I, I mean, I, I'm sad about that. So what I say to young men and women is this. God will never bless you for being rebellious. He'll always bless you for honoring So what I say to you is, go to them as honoring as you know how and be honest. Be honoring and honest. Remember what I said yesterday, the best relationships are honoring and honest relationships. So you have to be honest. You cannot, it's gonna hurt you physically and spiritually if you're not honest at some point with what God's doing in your life. You've got to, even to leaders that are not gonna respond well, you have to go, you cannot control what they do but you're in complete control of how you respond. So young men and women, um, I know what this feels like because I worked for a tyrant one time. 
You know why, you know how I learned all these lessons? Because I got beat up by a tyrant who's now my friend, by the way. But I'd tell him to his face, you were a tyrant back then. He goes, yeah, I know, I'm so sorry. He was, seriously, he would say that to me right now. I was a tyrant. I did not know how to pastor people, and I'm sorry. We've had this conversation already. That's why I can share it so freely. But it was painful when I left. It was hurt. But I'm so glad I did. So I go to humble, you're humble, you're, you're, say, you're, you're kind, you're not demanding, you're submitted, and, and you give them the chance to do the right thing. In other words, if you, if you say, I'm leaving, I know you're not going to like it, but I'm leaving. Well, that's not the right way to do it. You go to them and submit. If they come back and strongly disagree with what you feel God's called you to do, take a little more space of time just to make sure you are really hearing the Lord. Okay, leave room. Okay, this is going to sound really terrible, but there is an outside chance you might be wrong. I mean, is there just a tiny, can we just say there's a tiny chance you might be wrong? Can we all nod our head with that? 0.1% chance you might have missed God on this? And the tyrant who is leading you right now may be the voice of the Lord, maybe Saul to David is saying, it's not time for you to be king yet. I mean, Saul got it right a couple times. Right? Okay, so let's just be submitted, okay? Then, then after a space of time, if you still can't shake it, if you cannot, I mean, if you're waking up in the middle of the night, God is speaking to you, then you go back and say, listen, I, I have to do this. I'm so sorry, but it's humble. It's submitted. It's kind. And then if they don't do the right thing and recognize it, at least there's been space and time and honor and conversation that has happened so that God can bless you when you do go. You leave mad and angry and bitter. All right, let me give you this analogy, okay? Um, I love moving trees and planting stuff. It's kind of how I relieve stress. I have a great pickup too, by the way. I like my pickups. But if I were to tie my, a chain to my pickup, and I have some small ponderosa pines right now that I actually need to move around on my property. Uh, if I were to just put a chain around that ponderosa pine, stick it and drive, whoom, jerk that thing out of the ground, and I got this bloody stub of a ponderosa pine left over, and I just go dig a haphazard hole somewhere in my property and jam it in there and cover it up the best I know how, the chances of that tree surviving winter at 7,500 feet are slim to none. Because this is the time of year you do these kind of things around here. But I found this great company here in town that knows how to delicately dig around the root systems. They don't charge that much. They're really inexpensive. But they got this great machine that does this. They get down. They lift it up carefully. They go and check for water lines and electrical lines. And they say, okay, this is a good place to put this. And then they, they, they dig a hole that's perfect for this. And then they put this some kind of nutrients around the hole, some kind of fertilize, and they stick those trees there, and then they, they stake them out. They put wires there. Every time they have moved a tree for me, all those trees survive. I mean, they're thriving around my property. The ones I kind of thought, I can do this. Those are the ones I've sawed down and burned in my fire pit. I'm just telling you, this is a, that's a visual picture for me about transition. If you think you're going to rip yourself out of the ground that God planted you and somehow go find your way to another church and get jammed into a spot there and you're going to thrive there. You're going to carry your issues from one place to another. And I don't need those around here. I don't need that. I don't need you showing up here wounded and hurt and mistrusting and angry and vengeful. 
That doesn't help me and it doesn't help you because you're going to repeat your mistakes. You will go around the mountain until you learn this lesson. And senior pastors, here's my, that's, here's my encouragement for you. You want Brandon Cormier's to come hang out with you? You want John Egan's? You want Corey Asbury's to hang out with you? Make it easy for people to leave and make it easy for people to arrive and you will always have good leaders around you. If they know that when they come to your team that they will be able to be planted correctly and sent out properly, you won't have any trouble finding team members. I don't care if you live in Iowa, wherever you live. If you live in the worst small town in America that nobody wants to live in, if you have a healthy, I know people right now would give their lives to be in a healthy church where the pastor loves them and cares about them. They will serve you and love you and be with you. Some of them will be with you for the rest of your life. Some will be there for a few years. But at the end of the day, the kingdom of heaven wins and hell is defeated because we have brought it into light, all right? All right, one more question over here and then we'll, and then we'll turn it over. Um, because I'm almost out of time. I got two more minutes. What's the question over here, Brandon? So using the tree analogy, what do you do with the old hole? I left my last church three years ago and was not replaced. And so how do you prepare the congregation? Because the leadership was very supportive of my new adventure, but the congregation is still on Facebook, everything. We miss you. Why aren't you here? And they're very wounded that I left, even though it was a good thing. Well, that, that's a great question. And it's a great insight. Um, I, everywhere I've, I've only been in five churches in my adult life. And every time Pam and I go back to Gateway Church, I have people waiting there for me that says, Pastor Brady, we miss you so much around here. Well, they've gone from like 12,000 to 30,000 people since I left. So they're not struggling. In fact, I may have been the lid there. I may have been the problem. But, um, but the point is, uh, the point I'm making is this. Every time, I just saw some people from Hereford, Texas, a few, the last weekend, I was, at, I was in Amarillo speaking at a church there. I had a, I had a sweet couple waiting for me and said, Pastor Brady, you did our wedding. We sure miss you. It was sweet and kind. And my heart sinks a bit because I went, oh, did I leave the sheep? Oh, the sheep belong to God. We are under shepherds of a much better shepherd. And we have to trust the shepherd, the great shepherd to take care of the sheep. We are serving a better shepherd than we will ever be. And I will not be guilted into being obedient. I, just, I mean, I've got, I cannot, some, and that, they don't mean to be guilting you, but they, they love you. You, you did, obviously did a great job there for people to miss you. My greatest fear is leaving and nobody cares. Like there's a big after party. Yeah, he's gone. Woo. So the fact that people care about you leaving is a testimony to how well you shepherded them. But you cannot be disobedient because people are sad. That's just normal. I mean, 15 years ago, I left her for Texas and people were still telling me they wish I'd stayed. Well, okay, but that wasn't the Lord's will for me. And they have been pastored well and they miss me personally, but they've been pastored well. And you have to trust that at the end of the day or it'll keep you up all night. Um, so leave well, leave honoring, leave great, but don't, don't let people uh, shame you into something or make you feel bad for being, diso- being obedient to God. That's my answer to that. I hope that's a quick answer, and I'm happy to talk about more with you. I, I hate to give quick answers to good, good questions. All right.